We are back for another AmeriCorps Connections podcast. I'm so excited with my guest here, Dana Benjamin Allen, um, who is referred to me by a friend and colleague, Amanda McSwine from the South Carolina Commission. So I'm, and Amanda's already agreed that she's going to come on the podcast. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have her on here. Um, we'll have to probably edit that a lot. <laughs> we we spent a year working together, so we have a lot to dish on. Um, but anyways, today, um, for those of you who are, are back, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening and following. And it does actually really matter if you like um, subscribe to the YouTube channel or where, wherever you listen to it on your podcast land um, and commenting and all that stuff. It, it, it actually makes a difference. I've seen a, a change in the algorithms. Um, so please do that and share um, share the podcast with folks. Um, and for those of you that are new, I'm Nikki Fiacco, the founder of AmeriCorps Connections. And this is where we have an opportunity to interview and chat with AmeriCorps alumni um, who have gone on to do ex exciting and wonderful things. So we like to reflect on our, our service year, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun, the crazy. Um, but what I think is really exciting is to see what all of these alumni are up to now. And we've had, if you've li listened to these podcasts, um, alumni are doing amazing things. Um, what about, uh, what's his name? He's out doing a blog now, a travel blog. Um, I'll, I'll get his name, Travel Twerps. Look it up. It's He has a whole YouTube. So anyways, um, before we get started, as always, uh, oh, real quick too, I'm also an AmeriCorps alumni, obviously, um, served with Volunteer Maryland. And um, yeah, that's where my journey journey began. So uh, shout out to Dan Medivere from Time and Money Services. Thank you so much. And I have not gotten my microphone yet, but I will. I promise I get paid next week and I will buy a mic unless somebody out there in podcast land wants to send it to me. Just send me a DM, DM and I can I can prop your your microphone right here and everybody will see it. Just reach out to me. So anyways, let's get started with the interview. Dana's cracking up because we were talking about product placement and where there's an opportunity for that. So Dana, you served in NCCC class 12 out in Sacramento, and that is where your journey began. So let's pick it up from there. Like, how did you learn about this opportunity? And then like, let's just see where the journey takes us. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, for those who can't see, I attempted to put on my, when you're in America and NCCC, you get a number of issued items of your uniform, one of which is a dress white polo shirt. And thankfully, this is only screening us from the neck up, but it fits. I'm going to put that in air quotes. But and when let's, let's also like that's we call that the legacy tra uh, logo. And this is the current logo. Uh, OK, moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I just after Trey and in his interview so that he still fit into his pants. Those don't fit but the shirt fits. So I needed, I needed Love to that. honor and reflect back on Trey's conversation. That's great. Um, yeah. So I was at, I was in Boston university and I was studying public relations and corporate communications, but my friend group was mostly through the Boston university community service center. And there we all were really tight with folks who had graduated before us and folks that were junior to us and were really invested in each other's success. And one person who also was a communications major, um, Carly Bruder, who I learned now works for the corporation. Um, she 
graduated and went to go serve in this program called AmeriCorps and Triple C out in California. And I kept in touch with her. She said, I'm doing this thing called a fire team. And she was explaining to me what a fire team was. And then I, she kept me apprised of like her training and her first projects. And we just kept in touch through her service year. And all through my final year, or my last two years of school, I went to New York. I interned at this big PR firm that's like, if you're going to go somewhere and do PR, this is where you go. And I said, well, now I'm here. <laughs> and this is not awesome. It might be, be awesome for some people. Wish for. <laughs> <laughs> so a good thing to learn what you don't like to do. Um, mm-hmm. And that living in New York City, it's a fun place to visit, but not a place I'd love to live. And so I thought, well, Carly had this really incredible experience. Why don't I apply and see what happens? Um, so I applied for AmeriCorps and Triple C, and I didn't realize that Sacramento was such like a hotly content, like everyone wants to go out to California. But mm-hmm. I thought as a high-strung Northeasterner, the only time I will live in California would be for this, because I don't think I would survive. Uh, and so I went out to California and I got accepted. And yeah, so much props to community service begetting service. Yeah, no kidding. And that, and it's so cool that how p- different people are introduced to the the national service projects, you know, um, and I feel like it's so cool when you have somebody who has gone through it um, that can really push you in the direction of like, you should really do this. And I really heard um, just some great things about NCCC and, and, you know, all the folks that I've interviewed and, and ran into, you know, I've been in this circle for almost over a decade now. Um, so when you got out there, like everything's like this, right? Similar to the job that you got where you're like, you get there and you're like, oh, okay. So when you got out to Sacramento and you started, did, did you totally know what you were getting into? I had no expectations. And actually the year that we served was the year that Hurricane Katrina hit. Mm. So it was actually the first time I believe that the, that a federal government used national service volunteers to deploy on a scale this big. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only did I have not have a clue what I was getting into, but even if I did, anything would have been blasted to smithereens because everyone was just trying to figure out what do we do and how do we get people to the Gulf? Um, so no, I didn't have any clue what I was getting myself into. I knew that I wanted to be on a fire team. I thought that like, if, if I, I had taught, um, kickboxing at a weight loss camp for kids for about six years. And so I was like, if I've done fitness, like this is kind of the pinnacle of fitness. So let's see what happens. And can my body do it? And can we do it? Um, and so it's called the pack test. And so you have to wear a weighted vest. That's about, I'm not sure if, I don't think I've heard anyone explain what the pack test is in the past. So you wear a 60 pound weighted vest and you have to walk three miles in under 28 minutes, but you can't run. And so there are actual scouts along the course. And if both feet leave the ground at the same time, you're, you're excluded. Yeah. There's the word. Um, And so I did it with like one minute to spare. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which still counts, right? If you do it in the totally. time, you're doing the time. Um, and so then from there, they take all of the folks that are on campus and put them into teams. And we like to pretend, I'm, I know lots of folks refer to AmeriCorps and Triple C, like we call it like the Partridge family van. 
Um, yes. Or real world road worlds, like 12 strangers picked to serve <laughs> all over the country. Um, yeah. So that's how, that's how the journey kicked off. And it's so crazy too, because y'all don't know each other. Like, no. There's not, it's not like when you go to camp and you tell your friend, like, I'm going this week, like maybe we can bunk together. You know, it's like, hi, I'm from wherever. And this person, hi, I'm from Texas. Hi, I'm from Alaska. You know, like, so how was that? Like, I can imagine that had to have been like, like great in some way, but also a little bit like, okay. It was super interesting. It was also interesting because we had folks from all different points, all different points, 18 to 24, but there's such a difference between folks who are joining AmeriCorps and C, having just graduated mm-hmm. high school, of which we had three folks on our team. Then we had about the rest of us, the because math, um, <laughs> the rest of us were either college grads or finished parts of college. And so yeah. even just coming at it from different points in our lives and experiences was was super cool um mm-hmm. but yeah you're like okay cool so now we're here and we're gonna live eat and breathe and sleep and do all the things together for the next 12 months so here we go yeah, yeah let's go get into get into our van let's see it let's see who who lasts that's so right right so okay so what did you do what were you what were your projects yeah so in, for those of you that don't know and maybe you can explain it better but yeah. in triple c and triple c um which is the national civilian community Corps. community Corps. yes nice um you are deployed and you have a couple different projects and it's only i think six to eight weeks or something like That's that right. in each spot yeah, I like to say that AmeriCorps and Triple C really upped my two truths and a lie game because of the <laughs> things that I got to do. I so that. I say, typically I'll say like, I was a wildland firefighter. Um, I planted trees for fish and I have a brother and I'm an only child. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so after we did our training, the we just regions didn't matter. They just deployed everybody to the Gulf. And so we actually had to become, Mm -hmm. because we were so close to when the storm had occurred, only federal government employees were allowed in the area. So we had to become employees of FEMA Mm -hmm. before getting further deployed. So we just lived in, like, you live in like random places when you're in America on Triple C. So we were in the attic of a dorm at Jackson State, where like hundreds of cots where we were just like getting immunized and processed. Wow. <laughs> and then in the beginning, because the American Red Cross hadn't had the opportunity to set up the shelter system yet, lots of cruise ships had come into port and just said, here, use our ships as a place to like set up shop and find ways oh, wow. to care for people. So our first uh, project or spike as they're called was, was on a carnival cruise ship. Um, and you, you think about it, right? We're, we're 18 to 22 yeah. year olds talking to families and individuals for whom they have even yet to process what just happened to them. And mm-hmm. we are, have, our job was to collect paperwork. That was our job. And we were talking to folks and having them fill out forms and having them decide, like, do you need a FEMA trailer? And because we were the person with the form, they would ask us more and 
like, will you get a FEMA trailer, which at the time were so few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, and us 18 to 21 year olds are like, um, I don't know. And so I we give them know. this hope and we're yeah. not able to answer the question. And it's so yeah. interesting when you reflect back having like done so much work in communities now where you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's not you how know, I should have spoken to people. <laughs> yeah. You bring up such a, such a good point. So when I was with the South Carolina commission, I went to the disaster services training through mm-hmm. AmeriCorps and America's service commissions. And they were talking about how and, and I'm sure this came out of like the early days of, of deploying NCCC members or FEMA Corps members and being like, oops, um, that you can only leave somebody in a disaster zone for so long because there's this trauma that comes up yeah. and and having them fully trained. And, and yeah, like reflecting back on how we should show up in a community for that community, but also for that, we'll just say volunteer or AmeriCorps member, sure. that training, because like, literally somebody's looking at you going, am I going to have a house? And you're like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's hard because you're looking yeah. at a person who has nothing, you know, and maybe they have a couple kids in tow. So, yeah. um, sorry. I'm like, let's know you that trauma again. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, you're totally, you're totally fine. And speaking about like working within the confines of the government, when we got down there and we were like, this is, we're collecting paperwork, but like, outside our window, there is so much work to be done. Yeah. And so what we would, I think this may have happened with so many teams is we just like, let's take off our uniforms and let's just knock on doors and ask people what they need us to do. And so I think that was one of my like earliest professional memories of like, it's easier to ask forgiveness than for permission. Like y'all need us to pick up some, like we were volunteering and working with a family who was just, who just helped rebuild things in their community. And so we'd work during the day and then we'd stop and then we'd go back and serve like off hours because we were doing the things that needed to be done. And then we did the things that the people needed us to do. I feel like, um, I feel like I just had a conversation with another NCCC member, but I have like three that I've, I've been editing and that they mentioned the same thing that there's this like, you work, but you can only work so long, but there's still so much to do and you're there anyways. That's so, right. and I'm a body and I can do this stuff. Yeah. Um, so how long were you down, down there? Yeah. So we were after, after the carnival cruise ship, we got moved to the CB air force base in Gulfport, Mississippi. And we were on that project probably for about six, six weeks. Um, and we were, we found ourselves moving a lot of sheetrock. There were lots of like insulation factories down in mm. Gulfport. And so the number of pictures of us just like moving sheetrock. <laughs> and then later, probably about I don't know, eight months later, we got back onto disaster relief down in Dito, Mississippi. Okay. And we saw lots of teams doing the things that we were doing eight months prior, wearing like full hazmat suits and like all this crazy PPE. And we're like, sure. It's like our 20 year reunion will be like at area 51 getting decontaminated for whatever we touched. I'm (laughs) sure. Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah. So it was early days and we were just like, whatever we need to do, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. There's a part of me that um, wishes I was around AmeriCorps in the early days. Um, When I was director at Volunteer Maryland, I had an amazing program director or program manager, Sharon, Sharon Lewis, shout out to Sharon. Um, And I was always kind of like, well, I mean, 
let's just, and she'd always be like, no, you know, <laughs> like these are the rules. I'm like, but if we just skate on this line, like I think we'll be okay. And I think that like, if I would have been in the trailblazing days of AmeriCorps, like I probably would have gotten a lot of people in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> put those those boundaries on, but it it's sounds hard. like you had some great, yeah. I mean, and community service, it's it's hard when you're in the community. It's it's difficult. Number one, it's difficult to um to measure the impact. Like it's just really hard. Um, and number two, it's it's hard to put the boundaries on something when you're just trying to help folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you talk about, when you talk about measurement, because that's kind of where I ultimately, I ultimately landed. Yes. Um, and so after we were in, we were in the Gulfport, we got shipped up to like the most gorgeous plate, like small Island off of Seattle and Port Townsend, Washington, where we planted trees for fish. Oh yes. And we were very yes. confused as to what that meant. And only later having worked with lots of communities in the Pacific Northwest, do I truly understand the gravity of this project. But when salmon return to spawn, they get tired because it's hot and they swim a long way. And if they don't have enough trees or shade along their journey, they don't make the journey. And so like the entire salmon population relies on rest of these salmon traveling back up north. Um, and at the end of every um, at the every, at the end of every project, you report back to your team leaders and the the campus leadership, and you report back on your quantifiable. So essentially, like service learning plus outcome measurement plus process evaluation plus lots of other words. Um, mm -hmm. And nobody much like I experience on a daily basis. I'm an evaluator. Um, I call myself an accidental evaluator. Um, nobody loves to do the outcomes report outs because the thing's done. I don't want to talk about it. What did, yeah. we, did we track that thing? I don't know if we tracked that thing. Did we, where did yeah. we write that down? I don't know where we wrote that down. Yes. Um, and so I remember this is probably my first time attempting to make evaluation fun was when we did the the North Olympic Salmon Coalition. I was like, what if we did, what if we made it into like a play and we performed one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, and we all fish with a magnet and every fish we pull out has a quantifiable and we make it rhyme and maybe this process won't suck so hard. <laughs> and it actually like went really well. And so that was the beginning of us making our report outs like something that we could enjoy and bond and laugh over instead of this thing to be dreaded. So when you actually wrote down the words on the paper, did you use that technique? Yeah, we made it right. Oh. Oh and it was one, and everybody oh. loved it. The people loved it. We loved it because everyone comes back and reports this. So we did this, we yeah. did this. How many people did we serve? Yeah. So everyone That's, enjoyed it better. I wish we could find that document. I do too. Hmm. That would make okay. me, now it mission. makes me, mission. Mm -hmm. Mission, mission, mission. Those papers, I, I mean, how long do you know compliance better than I do? How long do you have to hold on to those documents? Oh, good question. Yeah. Ooh. 
it's like seven years. Usually it's seven years. So we're 18 years out, which makes me, I don't think, I feel like I'm not old enough to say that sentence, but that was 18 years ago. I know. I know. (laughs) I hate that. I really, that's something that I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to say that. So, um, okay. So then you, and that's super. So, so folks that are listening, you just got a lesson on salmon, um, how to keep the salmon population. So plant a tree in the mid, in the North, Northeast somewhere and save the salmon. Um, Product placement, save That's the right. salmon. I mean, we're just, we're just gonna, we're gonna totally pump up all the opportunities here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, was that your last project that you no. did? So we actually, okay. we went to Salt Lake City, Utah, and we worked with a, the largest homeless shelter system in Salt Lake City called the Road Home. Mm-hmm. And we operated the men's shelter, women's shelter, offsite family shelter, and the overflow shelter from 3 p.m. until 1 a.m. So we were the people that oh, wow. did all the things and made this and helped the shelters run during the time when all of the folks check in and making sure things were were up to speed. And when you do AmeriCorps NCCC, your housing is included, but that mm-hmm. is you could drove you can drive yeah. a Mack truck through that statement. Yeah, um, it could be a tent. It could be it a could tent. Be a cot. <laughs> it it could be all those things. And when we were in the road home, we slept in a room that was smaller than the room that the residents slept in. It was probably the size of my office, mm-hmm. and there were twelve bunk beds. Oh wow! Um, and. I think maybe AmeriCorps definitely helped me become a more resourceful individual for sure, because I was like, I'll take the top bunk. I haven't slept in a top bunk in a while. And I ran in and I jumped on the top bunk and the bunk came careening down on top of my teammate. And it turns out that like the plywood that the mattress was on was not big enough for the frame. So for the next eight weeks, I slept on a bed that was held together by a penny and the penny (gasps) took up the space between the plywood and the (laughs) That is. But we were like, how do we make this work? Like, we're not not going to sleep here. What can fit in this space? I feel like that experience would do one of two things, make somebody like very like acceptable of the situation of like, um, you know, whatever I'm sleeping on a cot, it's super uncomfortable, but I, I need sleep. I'm going to fall asleep. So for the rest of your life, it's like, whatever, I don't care where I sleep. Or it's like, I can never sleep in any conditions other than a tempurpedic and I need my huggy pillow and it needs to be 65 degrees and I need my eyes covered. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel so like funny. I've never extrapolated that, but yeah, I can fall asleep anywhere. Perhaps that was that was my adult sleep training, having now <laughs> sleep trained a toddler. I'm like, Anybody that's having trouble sleeping, enroll in NCCC. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Solved. So, that's so funny. So, wow. Yeah. And sleeping all in the same. And and you're like tired and. You usually don't smell awesome. I was going to say. you're just like stinky. working really hard. Some yeah. people shower before bed. Some people just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we want to make this program appealing. That's it's right. Still, it's still fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, to this day, if you were to ask my teammates who I talk to on a quite regular basis, 18 years later, um, the road home is definitely one of our favorite projects collectively That's as a cool. team. Um, and it also gave us the opportunity to learn more about Utah, to explore Utah. And because we were a fire team, we had to do a lot of physical training. And so our physical training was just going hiking in 
the mountains of Salt Lake, which That's... twist my arm. I'll go. Oh no. Sounds really yeah. hard. What were some of the things that made it one other than the hiking? Yeah. What, what were some of the things that made it one of your best projects? Yeah. When we were in the family shelter in particular, how do you like creating a sense of community, a sense of home, a sense of normalcy for families who are in those situations for any number of reasons, but families trying to make the best and do the best by their kids, kids trying to have rituals. And so like we would throw birthday parties and how do you make the birthday Mm. parties happen in the shelter? Like what happens on Valentine's day or when people go to shop in the community closets to find things like, how do you make that a dignified experience that really makes people feel like, like even the way you set things up, isn't like riffraff and help, but like, this is, we respect you. This is something that was put together for you Mm -hmm. and you have every right to be here and let's, let's help you on continue on your journey. This is just a stop along the way. This that's so important. And, and having that experience and learning it and maybe not learning it in the moment, but being able to reflect and have that experience and that impression at a young age is, is huge. And also, I mean, we talk about having a sense of belonging, like, yeah, like let's, let's normalize this for, let's not normalize it, but let's make this as comfortable as possible for you and make you feel like this is like, you're enough. Like you, you deserve this. You deserve good stuff. Right. And even when we would be running the shelters and the overflow shelters, when folks were intoxicated and couldn't make it into the regular shelters. And so like, how do you gracefully do Mm -hmm. a breathalyzer test and then tell someone they need to go across the street and then manage that process? Um, And so learning so much about ourselves, how we show up for humanity, how do you show up for humanity humanely? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's why that's because it was such a working so closely with people at the core of who they are is probably why we love that one so much. That's cool. What a great experience. Yeah. So, so, so the, the service year had to end at some point. It did after that, though, we got to go back to um, disaster relief. And the only reason I bring this up is because it's been an important life lesson. Yes. We learned a lot about how you eradicate black mold and you eradicate black mold at that point in time with bleach. I am sure many people listening have many other ways to do it, Um, but that's what we were using, bleach and water solution. And so my buddy and I, you put on like a Ghostbuster backpack and then you just like spray down the house that you can lay the sheetrock and rehab the house. And I had, my buddy was pouring in bleach solution. He's like, do you want to take this off? I was like, no, just, it'll be so much easier. Just like pour it while I'm in there. And then as I was spraying down the house, I said, you know, my back is itching. And I, it's itching. Why do you think it's itching? And he's like, oh my God, Dana, your sweatshirt looks like you're in the 1980s and there are bleach spots everywhere. I think the bleach is running down your back. (laughs) So we ran outside and got some water on it. Um, and so I learned what chemical burns were and that was fun. Oh, <laughs> but fast forward, like fast forward about four years. And my, one of the, or, one of the youth organizations I was working with had an, inf- had a rat infestation and the, um, the exterminators weren't going to get there in time. And I said, I know something that will clean this space. And so I went to the Home Depot. I knew exactly what to buy because I know what hazmat suits you wear uh-huh. And we like bleach bombed the garbage area so that the rats wouldn't come back. 
And if it weren't for AmeriCorps and Triple C, I would never have known what to do in that situation. And we would have had to shut the program down. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. All of, there's so much there that is just <laughs> so wrong and wonderful all at the same time. That's right. Do you still have that bleach sweatshirt? Oh, you know, I don't have that bleach sweatshirt, <laughs> but the picture of, of my team and I at the youth center, like outfitted and ready, yeah. ready to wreak havoc. Yeah, on, on a so lot funny. of mouse feces is one of my favorite pictures. <laughs> I interned for um, the Smithsonian Environmental Research Center out in Edgewater, Maryland, and um, we were getting ready for the summer camps and there's a shed and the person who worked there was like, okay, but we need to put masks on. I'm like, why? And they're like, because this is where the mice live during the winter and we can't inhale it. And when we opened that thing, I was like, how can we use anything that's in here? So we we basically had to do the bleach and water cleaning solution of the canoes and whatever else we oh. were using. And I don't know. So, but that's, wow, that is so funny. So great. It what is. a great experience. Yeah. And then after that, we went on our fire training and then we went off and worked in the El Dorado National Forest. Has anyone, have you ever seen the movie Fern Gully? Back in the yes. 1980s, we're like, yes. it's a lot about like environmental and deforestation. Yes. Um, and so when we were there, we did a lot of cutting down of trees mm-hmm. and a lot of like tree removal. And right hindsight, not being a feisty 20 year old, like, all right, when you remove the fuel, then the mm-hmm. fire has nothing to catch on to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't actually, because it was so early in the season, we didn't see any fires I'm pretty grateful for that yeah um but we like learned like I became chainsaw certified and my whole team like we would go through and work really hard and what I the other thing I learned from the record I really love hard work Mm. like physical labor I really like it I also Mm -hmm. really love black and white tasks which Mm. is really helpful especially when you work in with organizations or you do work that's a little bit ambiguous or a little bit longer term, if you're like, I need a finite outcome to say that I've done. So to know that about yourself and say, I need a black and white task today. Yeah. Some, some type of dopamine hit, please. That's right. I remember my interview with Noah Smock. Um, I don't know what number that was, maybe 10. I don't know. Okay. Um, so he's the director of the Baltimore community tool bank, and he's also an NCCC member. And he mentioned how much he really enjoyed the physicality of being with NCCC and, and, and a lot of what you were saying of like, do this and this is the outcome. And then we move on and do this yeah. and this is the outcome. And then we move on. I can imagine that that's yeah. In a, in a world of like, it's, what I don't I don't know if it would fall in the box of urgent and what is it the first box like yes 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 urgent yes 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 um but it feels like it's a checkbox that feels nice yeah 100 percent. that's so great yeah so that was our that was our year that was so how does it feel reflecting on all of that I find that like a lot of times when people prepare for the the AmeriCorps Connections podcast interview, they're like, I had to like go back and look at pictures and go to my feed and like really truly understand and then starting to embody embrace it all again. Like how did that feel just kind of taking that walk through again? It felt 
awesome. I think I mentioned earlier that my team and I are still pretty close. Mm-hmm. And so when I think after my first conversation with Nikki to see if this was going to be a good fit, I texted them immediately and I was like, you'll never guess what I just did. And then a text message thread that went on for a week was like, say this, don't say this. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to, um, or like, do you remember this? And it was just the most incredible. That's cool. Um, and so the relationships that I have with, with my team are just so so strong. And even if we don't see each other for years, mm-hmm. the things that we did, the things that we went through, like the ties are definitely the ties that bind. Um, so it was great. I got really excited. That's good. Preparing. I think it also in thinking back to the one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish story and how to make evaluation and outcomes, things that are just part of, that are fun. This work, yeah. And um, recognizing how much I enjoy physical labor and being an outcome-oriented individual, like the fact that I ended up, eventually ended up as an accidental evaluator seems a little less of a, oh, I guess it does make a whole lot of sense that we landed here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It makes it a whole lot of less of an accident. That's right, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That'll be so, I'll be excited to hear if one of your next clients that you work with that you bring in the, uh, next blue fish, green fish, red fish, blue fish, next fish, that fish. <laughs> I totally. And now I'll find a way to bring it in. I usually I open up. See if I can figure something out with my work that I can do something fun like that. <laughs> I'm sure you can, especially as a communicator by trade. Yeah. Communicated by, I'm an accidental, well, I'm not an accidental podcaster. This is always, I always wanted to have conversations. And as I've said on many episodes, I'm also a pod cast addict. So I'm always listening to them. So we are where we are. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, so, okay. So after your service year, cause part of the podcast is reflecting on our service. Yeah. Year, I always love to find out like, what are you, how did you get to what you're doing now? And yeah. like, what are you doing now? Yeah. Um, so right now I own a evaluation and program design consulting firm working mostly with mission-based organizations called Back of the Napkin Consulting, because most of your best ideas don't happen when you're trying to plan them and they happen on the back of a napkin. So that's where our name came from. Um, thanks. Uh, yeah, but after AmeriCorps, I thought, you know what? I got that community service thing out of my system. So let me go back to corporate communications one last time, because I just spent a ton of time and money on this degree. So let's see. Let's just see. And so uh, I came back to Boston and I went to work for one of the large one of the largest um, fitness apparel companies in their corporate communications department. And about six months in, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't something you shake off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I parted ways with that organization. I went back to weight loss camp and taught another summer to like find my footing and regain my confidence and like, what do I like to do? Mm -hmm. Which I realized the the privilege and the opportunity that afforded me to be able to do that. Um, And then I came back to Boston. I was like, I'm going to go work at the Boys and Girls Club. I'm going to take a part-time job while I look for my big girl job. This time, in the nonprofit sector, because I've learned my lesson. <laughs> and I took, I was the fitness and wellness director at the Medford Boys and Girls Club. And all of my young people that I was working with, many of them had their uppers detaching from the lowers. So what that means is when you're oh, yeah. wearing shoes so much that the you're literally, they are not functional. And I mm-hmm. said, well, I cannot 
facilitate a game of soccer or really anything if you're about to break your ankle because that Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. And so I began to write grants and letters to all of the fitness apparel companies in New England and was like, just send us shoes and we'll essentially make like what they do with bowling alleys. Like kids can trade in their shoes and you can borrow shoes for the afternoons that you don't have to Mm -hmm. not play. Yeah. You can have what you need while you're here. It, It is, it is not solving any of the systemic issues that brought you here. Right. I recognize that, but for the sake of what this is going to look like for you between three and 6 PM. And if this is where you want to be, how do I make this the best three hours of your, of your life? Mm -hmm. Um, And so lots of shoes came in and we built this program where kids could wear the shoes. And we had lots of cleaning protocols pre COVID. Um, All of this really goes back to your NCCC, like the, the way of making folks feel comfortable in the shelters and the cleaning. That's right. (laughs) And so we were one site out of many clubs. And so I went, I lobbied the the leadership of the organization. I said, well, this worked. And it looks like you need someone to do this for all the sites. So you should have a program director and grant writer at the org level. And so I took the liberty of writing the job description and I'd like to apply for it (laughs) (laughs) because I have another job offer, but I don't want to go there. I want to stay here. Um, And so then I took the job that we helped craft. And um, as the tide and funding shifted, lots of results-based accountability, lots of funders looking for more than just, I know my program works because people are smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but like legit, how, what has changed in the community and because of your work. Uh, and so I began to learn more about evaluation, learn more about outcomes tracking, just so that my organization could apply for and um, receive funding. And so much of that work began to like develop systems and how do you track this data and what is the technology behind it? So I began to develop and design and work with technology systems for all the boys and girls clubs across the state of Massachusetts, um, which was really cool. And sometimes you're like, I'm negotiating a contract for many millions of dollars. Yeah. I am 21. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? Um, But it was really interesting. It also began my understanding of like how technology companies do or do not empower or listen to nonprofit organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, And you fit into their cookie cutter versus the other way around, which seems odd. Um, And so I moved on to become the director of research and evaluation of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Boston and really got a bee in my bonnet around tech systems and nonprofits and tracking because you don't go to work at a boys and girls club to manage a member management system. Right, right, you go, right. You might. There are very skilled folks who do that, but that isn't what you do. You go there to make your, to spend time with what matters most mm-hmm. and to spend as little time as possible on the things that should not take and should not be a Herculean task to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would consistently speak to a lot of the, the vendors that we were working with and be like, this just isn't working. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, I need this to work this way. Well, we don't, but no one else needs it to work this way. Well, that doesn't really matter to me. Right. I'm really glad that no one else has asked you that before, but that doesn't change what I need. And that doesn't change mm-hmm. what the girls and boys and kiddos in Boston need. And it doesn't matter what my staff needs. So I'm glad, but no thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I would typically call the national organization a lot and ask them to help intervene because I was like, I've, 
I've used as much cloud as I can. I need your help here in this conversation. Um, and it moved on to the conversation of the Boys and Girls Clubs of America working to create a system for clubs by clubs. Um, mm -hmm. And I got hired to do that. And that's, so that's amazing. So um, being a being a squeaky wheel and advocating for justice and what people deserve and what they need um, definitely is something that if you were to track a through line, no doubt came from AmeriCorps, mm -hmm. but it's definitely much a drumbeat and a heartbeat to my career and how I how I live my life and how what our company is founded on. That's so exciting. And it, it's so true about the databases. And I know I'm just going to call out yeah. two, pro, two databases that I know are specifically for AmeriCorps programs, and that's um, America Learns. And uh, I think it's Encore is okay. the other one. And they specifically, I mean, they have other clients, but they build their database around the compliance of AmeriCorps. So timesheets and tracking mm -hmm. and getting the, getting the outcomes that are needed for the reporting that are, that's specific to AmeriCorps, but then also, I think they work with some other nonprofits, but it speaks to exactly what you're saying. And I mean, I think that's just such a huge lesson of like, yeah, okay, well, these, this isn't working for us and we're a play, paying client. So either make it work for us or we're going to walk, Yeah, know? like we as consumers be even beyond nonprofits, like individual folks, 100%. us as consumers, we can vote with our feet. We mm -hmm. can vote with our dollars. We can, you know, do the things that we have more power than, than, than I think some people give us that then some people think like if all 100%. one day, nobody did any shopping just one day. That's right. You know, and not, you're the expert in you. That. No one knows but, you better than you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so, so you advocated and then you became, so you started working for Boys and Girls Club of America. I did. Yeah. And also the lesson here too, folks that are either in an AmeriCorps year, or just finishing an AmeriCorps year, or you're going to do an AmeriCorps year. So Dana mentioned that she created a position and then she was like, and I want this, but I did the same thing after my, my service year, mm -hmm. I was a, a volunteer coordinator in one park and, you know, along with a couple of co-conspirators, um, Wendy Scarborough and, uh, Carolyn Mueller. Thank you. Um, we put together a position description so that I could be volunteer coordinator for the entire County, all of the rec recreation hey, centers cool. and parks in Anne Arundel County. And we walked into the director's office and we were like, look, I did this for one of your parks for one year. I think I can do this for your entire department. And he was like, okay, you know, so take a leap. If you know what you're talking about, like trust yourself and take a leap. 100%. I think the majority of my jobs that I've had, maybe 20% of them were jobs that existed before I created them. <laughs> In like any right. of the organizations yeah. that I work with. Granted, they took a lot of organizational leadership to make those things happen. Of course. Um, but also for folks that are like, I don't actually see myself in any of the positions that I'm looking at. That's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to see yourself in them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So you're in, you are in Boys, uh, Boys and Girls Club. I was going to say Boy Scouts. Uh, That's for okay. Amer Is it yeah. America? Okay. Boys and Girls Clubs of America, but we often get... Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Big Brothers, yeah. Big Sisters, all incredible organizations, yes. all working toward 
improving outcomes for young people. So high five to everybody. Yes. We can all play nice. We can all play nice. Um, yeah. So after at being at the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, the pandemic hit and I had a baby. And so lots of things changed. And mm-hmm. I had a lot of Boys and Girls Clubs all across the Eastern Seaboard and all across the country actually reach out and be like, I would love to work with you. Is that a thing that can happen? And I was like, I think it can. Uh, so I, we, I think we hung our shingle, uh, and mm-hmm. did a proof of concept to see if it would work. Uh, and it, and it did. So we work with more than just boys and girls clubs. Um, but we started back of the napkin as just me. And now we have the opportunity to have lots of subcontractors who we bring on for their experience, their lived experience. Even mm-hmm. when I was in, um, when I was back in, when I was still hiring back in Boys and Girls Clubs or any job, anyone that had national service or community service and city year or state programs, if it was on your resume, you immediately, you always got a phone screen because there's even, there's no way for you to encapsulate all the things you did on your resume. And I know that that is shorthand for you are resourceful, mm-hmm. you are strong-willed, you are dedicated and you get things done. We'll talk mm-hmm. about the other things later, but like, yeah, I want to talk to you. Yep. So yeah. So it is many of my teammates, many of my colleagues at Back of the Napkin are national service alum. Um, I'm, it's not breaking NHR laws. I do talk to other folks as well. <laughs> um, and we get to work with organizations, small, large, national, international, and help them understand what their data is, is saying, what it isn't saying. Um, Mm -hmm. We worked with an organization and they said, we've been collecting data for about four years, but we're not really sure if it's what we should be collecting. Yeah. How often do we look at it? And so I looked at it and I said, let me ask you a question. Was ExxonMobil the best environmental actor in 2020? And they said, no. And I said, well, the way you're tracking your data and the analysis you're putting on it says that cool, mm. let's fix that. Because yeah. that isn't the case. It was just yeah. the, the data they're collecting wasn't wrong. The way they're analyzing it wasn't wrong, but the framework that they developed around it told a different story. Okay. So we will work with folks to just like, shh, we, we can look at your data and mine it and talk to you about it. We can reverse engineer it and go back to a logic model. Mm-hmm. If we do this, then this will happen. We will talk, we will monitor it by doing this. And then this should happen also and then build all the systems around it. Um, Getting staff excited and building a culture around data Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite things to do. When I worked at the Boys and Girls Clubs, we we made the Soapy Awards. And oh my gosh, this is a funny story. Um, (laughs) I, we had clubs carve, we carved the award out of soap because it was for clean data. So we ran oh, a report nice. and whichever club had the least null data, i.e. The, the number of fields that were completed most often mm-hmm. got the SOPI award for the year. And the person who won it the year before had to carve the SOPI for next year's recipient. And so then the SOPI- I love your creativity. <laughs> Thanks. So I was going to lead a conversation at a conference around- building, like making data culture fun and making it accessible Mm -hmm. and not making it this thing that people dread. And so I packed 24 bars of Irish spring soap in my carry-on, 
And do you know what happens when you pack 24 bars of Irish spring soap in your carry-on? No. You get, you get, you, yeah. you get pulled over because they think it looks like C4. You get in big trouble. <laughs> I got pulled over for having um, baking soda. I use baking soda when I brush my teeth. And okay. I was in like, like full on tea. What are they called? Um, the what are they called? The the drug and... the TSA TSA? Yeah, okay. no, it was like the drug people. Oh, the DEA. Out. Yes, and they put it in a box. I'm like, it's baking soda. It's baking. I'm just soda. trying to brush they, my teeth. They're like opening it with gloves. I was like, it's baking soda. It's baking oh my soda. gosh, Nikki. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> did you have to um, give up your soap? No, but they said, what are you doing with it? And I said, I'm leading a workshop on soap carving. <laughs> which is true yeah like carving a soap award and they were like this yeah. woman and I was like here are my credentials here's my session and they were like yeah. okay but just next time don't just put it under the plane don't yeah why you gotta That's try so to make funny. fetch happen just put it under the plane that is so funny oh my <laughs> gosh you soap Oops. smuggler more soap oh. smuggling and carry-ons <laughs> But I love this perspective of, of making evaluations fun. So if somebody was, if an or, first of all, what type of organizations do you work with? Yeah. So we love to work with nonprofit organizations or for-profit organizations that have a mission behind their existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there is no specific size. We love working with folks that are looking for thought partners, Okay. So you don't necessarily have to know what you want to do, but knowing that you're looking for someone to bounce ideas off of, we tend to jive well with folks who are in that state of need. If somebody didn't know what they wanted, could yeah. they could they come to you and be like, I don't know, but I know evaluation is important. And whenever I apply for grants, I just can't reflect very well on what we do. Um, and yeah. they just kind of stare at you like with their blankie, like, please help me. <laughs> like, do you take those clients? That's such an amazing visual. And yes, yeah, we totally do. That would make my heart so happy. It's kind of like it's it's harder to undo bad habits. So if you have no yeah. habits, yeah, oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no, or if, if you are in a space where you're trying to unpack and understand and how to make these systems work for you, because your board is asking for it or your funders are asking for it or you're you're like, I want to make this program better, but I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. But I know that looking at some data is probably a helpful thing to do. Um, We we're here. We're here for you. We're here for you, especially folks who you tend evaluation tends not to be a heavily funded department in organizations. Mm. So you might be like a part, you might, this might be like one fifteenth of your job. Right. So you're like, I really want to give it one one hundredth of my, I want to give it 100% of my time, but I have 15% of my job. And so from my naive, like I love data. I always find myself in the position where I'm the person that's like in the CRM all the time. And I'm like, did you give us the most updated contact for this person? And it, part of it's because I'm also in communications and I'm always emailing wrong people because nobody's updating the CRM. The struggle so like, is real, Nikki. It's so, like, not everybody's on my list. And then the executive <laughs> director is like, why didn't you do that? I'm like, I downloaded it from the CRM, wasn't in there. Um, what was my point? Like uh, your carrier pigeon was on oh, vacation that day. Yeah, exactly. So, so I love data. And one of the things that from my perspective, if we were measuring AmeriCorps, 
I think it would be really interesting to see where people landed. Yeah. Right. Like that pie chart of the industry, 100%. Um, maybe even the pay of what AmeriCorps members make in so many years after their service, yeah. their titles or something like that, where it would be, it would just be a real, I think it would be a really impactful image to say 90% of AmeriCorps members are still engaged in some sort of community engagement or community service or volunteer service or part of a board or whatever. Um, so let's, let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah, that would be tremendous. My, I have a buddy that's trying his, is considering AmeriCorps for his daughter. And I was, I was like, well, here are some immediate outcomes. And like, here, my, we've got a head of obstetrics at North at UNC Chapel Hill. We've got a lawyer that works for the department of labor. You've got me, you've got yeah. someone that works in clean energy. You've got a you've got a principal investigator at UPenn and we're, that was our team. And here we yeah. are. Yeah. That, I mean, and I think they do have an office of research and development now, but it's, it's kind of new and they're kind of starting from scratch. So I, I, you know, kudos to everything that you're doing in the programs that you're working for. Um, so let's just talk about, because we've been talking for an hour. So I guess, I guess we need to land the plane. Damn it. Um, the I mean, good news I is I'm going to, I travel to Maryland often for work so we can just hang out for real. Yay. I love that idea. That'll be awesome. And we'll come up with ideas on the back of the napkin. That's right. Um, okay. So if, if folks are listening to this and they have either a for-profit or nonprofit or whatever, yeah. um, like what's the best way of reaching out to you? Are you taking on new clients or if somebody wants to work with you because yeah. they dig evaluation, like what, how can people be involved? Yeah. So we actually created a special website, a sub website of our website and created a few downloadable things that early in my evaluation career, I wish I had. So this is kind of like my gift to folks around what, what are that. the aspects of the evaluation process. And then for folks that are in the thick of what, te like sourcing technology, because your job has data in it, but you're and so clearly you must know how to do this, mm -hmm. um, a, a discount code for an upcoming webinar series that we're doing with um, a nonprofit called TechSoup and Project Evident and um, lots of technical assistance partners that can support nonprofits. So the website, which we'll put in the show notes because it's long, is backofthenapkinconsulting.com backslash okay. alumni connections, all one word. Okay. And the downloadable um, documents are there. There's a video of me explaining what the heck this is and how you may need or want to use it. And then the discount code for that tech webinar series is up there as well. If this gets aired between now and the end of, in the beginning of December. And okay. if not, then we'll make sure to put links to the videos because I'm hoping that'll be a really great resource for folks, especially yeah. folks who are trying to figure out what's what. Yeah, no, definitely. I can, um, so prior I to didn't mean to put pressure on you. No, that I was not goes, the point. So I think it goes hand in hand with, um, so for those of you that have, are still sticking around listening prior to us jumping on here, Dana asked me how I was doing. And I was like, I'm kind of down on myself because I have three episodes that I need to, you know, edit and, and get up on. Um, and so now this is really going to fire me up to actually get those things up. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> That's the, the accountability that I need. The other thing I would offer is I love talking to AmeriCorps alums. Okay. And so if you are looking for someone to talk to about your job, your career path, 
you want to be doing something else. You don't know what you want to be doing. It's how I met Amanda. And that's how I mm. met Nikki. She posted on the AmeriCorps LinkedIn post that she was looking to make a change. And I was like, I will talk to anyone that asks to talk to someone. So connect with me on LinkedIn. If I'm not the right person to connect you with, I will scour my network to ensure that you find the right person. That's so, everything you just said is so helpful. And it's so true. Like reaching out, I, I, that's one of the things I love about this AmeriCorps alumni group. And if you're not in the LinkedIn group, I know people are like, I don't use LinkedIn, but just get LinkedIn to get into the group and don't that's use right. anything else. But if you're looking for professional development, opportunity, mentorship, like it's all there. And it's so cool because we're all over the place. Like I interviewed somebody who is an AmeriCorps member in Germany. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're like all over the place and we're all in different fields and we have all different superpowers. And um, it's it's time for us to, you know, we're we're over. What is it? 30 years old now. Yeah. 25, 30 years old. 30. Like, we're having our Saturn return, folks. Like we need to contemplate and think about like who we are and like how we want to go forward into the next two decades. Right. And for those Vista folks out there, you guys are, are the programs further along because you were founded in the sixties. So there's some deep, deep, deep wisdom within this group. And, you know, Dana's reach out to Dana and, and I just love, I'm also really always so impressed how somebody can take, and I'm going to talk to you more about this, can take something that they're super passionate and interested in and turn it into a business because that in its in and of itself is a massive skill mm -hmm. and something that like I need to get way better at. But this was so good. Oh, I need to ask you the big question. So in wrapping, um, when you think about this this large AmeriCorps alumni network, what do you see for us as either nationally, regionally, locally, individually, what, what do you see as us as a movement or for us alumni as a group? What do I see as the, what do you think we could do? Yeah. What can't we do? Given like that we, that. given that we are a group of folks who get things done. Um, I would say supporting one another is like the, the foundation, like building the connections, like so leveraging, leveraging relationships to either, to either serve or to serve on a larger level to serve your, your goals, your needs. So some like super, I'm going to go back to a database, some like super interactive member directory Yeah. where granted this requires people to update their update their profiles so you don't have dirty data and then you can earn a soapy award. Um, <laughs> but like the ability to be like, I'm looking for someone who like hops on their left foot, but also is ambidextrous. Does someone like that exist? Oh, great. Yeah. They do because there are a bajillion of us. Cool. I want to talk to that person. Yeah. So finding ways where the barrier to entry is low, but the, the ability to connect is high. That's perfect. I love that. And I, I think that what you said, what can't we do being a group that gets, knows how to get things done? That's, that's, that's like the title of a book. That's the title of your book. I'm saying there's some things on the horizon. One, it's one of the revenue streams. I know, exactly. Um, well, before we wrap, is there anything else that you want folks to know about you, your service year, anything before we close? No, um, click anything in the show notes to the extent that the links are exciting and, if you've lasted this long, thanks for hanging. 
I know. I know. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next week with another AmeriCorps Connections interview with AmeriCorps alumni. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>